All right, we'll be back in Psalm 31 tonight. We were in Psalm 31 a couple of weeks ago, and last week we had to take care of that pesky old business, but not tonight. We're back to the good stuff tonight. Psalm 31. We'll start in verse 9, and we'll read through just the first part of verse 14. Psalm 31, verse 9. When you get it, say, got it. Got it. All right. Be gracious to me, Lord, because I am in distress. My eyes are worn out from angry sorrow, my whole being as well. Indeed, my life is consumed with grief and my years with groaning. My strength has failed because of my sinfulness, and my bones waste away. I am ridiculed by all my adversaries, and even by my neighbors. I am dreaded by my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street run from me. I am forgotten, gone from memory, like a dead person, like broken pottery. I have heard the gossip of many. Terror is on every side. When they conspired against me, they plotted to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words. And I pray that they will be strength for us. I pray that we would understand what David's saying, dear Lord, and not necessarily focus on his situation, but focus on our own, whatever we may be going through. And so I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would take away any pride to send my heart, dear Lord, and let the Holy Spirit control my words tonight, and I pray that you would just let us get something from your word that we need to hear. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Last week for last, when we were in the first part of this psalm, David was really talking about the Lord being his rock, the Lord being his refuge. Now that's language that we see often through the book uh, or should I, maybe not the book, I should say, a language we see often through the Psalms, uh, that the Lord is our rock, uh, something that we go to, something that can't be moved. And in the first eight verses, uh, David is really praising the Lord. He's really saying, look, I trust in the Lord. He is my rock. And as long as we go to the rock and stay on the rock, we uh, cannot be shaken, or should I say the rock cannot be shaken. I heard a quote today. Uh, somebody said, uh, there are times when I tremble upon the rock, but the rock never trembles. And that's very true in our life. Uh, even when we are trusting in the Lord and our hope is in the Lord, there are times in our life, even though we know God is our strength, that we still tremble with fear from something that's around us, uh, enemies that surround us, uh, sickness that's upon us, sinfulness that we have in our life, whatever it may be that may shake us to our core, even though we are standing on the rock, we may be shaken, but the rock is never shaken. And that way, uh, we always have something to cling to, to hold to, to keep us steady when we are shaken, when we are trembling. In the first part of this psalm, David was talking about the Lord being his rock. But then here in these verses, he really shifts gears from being someone who was firmly planted and trusting in the Lord to someone who was in the midst of distress. Even though he trusted in the Lord, that didn't make his problem go away. Now, even though you and I may trust in the Lord and we may be in the Lord's presence, that doesn't mean that we are out of the trouble that we are in. 
And we see that here in Psalm 31. David trusted the Lord. He went to the Lord. He knew the Lord was a strength, and he knew the Lord would be there for him. But that didn't automatically get David from the situation that he was in, whatever that situation may have been in David's life. In verse 9, he says, Be gracious to me, Lord, because I am in distress. Now, we get that. Everybody in this room gets that because there are seasons in our life where we are in distress. There are seasons in our life where maybe our distress is is short. It comes quickly. It passes quickly. There are times in our life where our distress doesn't get us down for long. But there are other times in our life where we are in distress and we feel like we are lost at sea. We feel like we are a sinking ship sending out a distress signal that nobody else is hearing. And we feel like we're sinking and sinking and sinking, wondering, is anybody ever going to help? Is there somebody out there that's hearing my distress signal? Now we have someone who hears our distress signal. It's the same one that heard David's distress signal. He was sending out his SOS to the Lord. He's saying, Lord, I am in distress. I am in danger. There are things in my life that are causing problems for me, that are making life difficult for me, perhaps things that his enemies had brought upon him, perhaps things that he brought upon himself, whatever the situation may be, no matter who's at fault, whether it's us or someone else, uh, there are times in our life where we are in distress. And what did David do? He asked for God's grace. And that's the same that we should do. As Paul had a thorn in the flesh, it says, and he prayed to God three times uh, for God to remove it. Uh, But but God told him, he said, Look, uh, my grace is sufficient, for power is perfected in weakness. He didn't heal Paul, but he told him his grace was going to be sufficient for him. And that's what David is asking for here. He's asking for God's grace. In the midst of our distress, we need to do the same. My eyes are worn out from angry sorrow, my whole being as well. Now, not many translations use the term angry sorrow there. Most just say grief, but but anger is the proper translation of the Hebrew word that's used there. It's a word that means anger. Now, I don't know what David was angry about, but his eyes were worn out from his angry sorrow, from whatever was going on. Now, perhaps David was angry at a situation that was taking place in his life. Perhaps he was angry at something that he had done. Maybe he had just made some boneheaded decision or sinned in some way, and he was angry in himself, and it brought great sorrow in his life, and his eyes were worn out. That is, he had been mourning over, he had been crying over, he had been grieving over whatever it was that had come in his life. And he's opening his heart to the Lord. The Lord knew, of course, but David is being transparent, saying, Lord, I'm in a bad place right now. And there are times in our life where we need to be transparent before the Lord. The Lord knows where we are. We can't hide our heart from Him. And we need to be transparent and say, Lord, I'm in a bad place right now. There may be times in our life that we need to be transparent with other brothers and sisters in Christ. To say, look brother, look sister, here's what's going on. Here's where I am and I'm not happy that I'm here. I shouldn't be here. I know that I've got a problem. I know that there's something going on. And sometimes we need to be transparent with other brothers and sisters in Christ so that they can pray for us. Now that's hard to do because we feel like, boy, if I tell somebody what's going on, they're going to think less of me. But you know what they're really going to say? 
they're going to say, whew, thank the Lord I'm not the only one like that. He's like that too. She's like that too. That's, that's really what happens because the truth of the matter is we all have these things that we struggle with. Maybe it's a sin in our life. Maybe it's something we worry about. Maybe it's a situation that's overwhelming us. But the truth is is that we're not alone in those things. And when we share those things with other people, most of the time they don't think less of us. Instead, they pray for us and they realize that we are just like them and that we need one another. And David was transparent with the Lord about his situation, and we need to be transparent with the Lord. And sometimes we may need to seek out other brothers and sisters in Christ to help with whatever we're going through. He says, my whole being is well. Now, most translations say my soul and my body or my soul and my belly. I think my soul and my body or my soul and my belly is probably a better uh, translation there. Uh, That's not what mine says, but I think that it helps us to understand a little more fully what David is saying. Uh, When he says, my soul and my body, he's saying, in his spirit, he's he's grieving. In In his body, he feels the effects of that. Now, we understand that because there are times in our life that we have grieved. Our spirit is grieved. We feel that deep down inside in our very soul. But we also feel that in our body because it has an effect on us in a physical way. And and David is saying, look, in my situation, in my sorrow, in my grief, in all the things that that are going on in my life, God, be gracious to me because I'm in a bad place, both physically and spiritually. In verse 10, Indeed, my life is consumed with grief and my years with groaning. My strength has failed because of my sinfulness and my bones waste away. Now, there are no doubt some enemies and people who are against David. We see that in the coming verses that we're about to look at. But David acknowledges here that his sinfulness is part of the problem. Now, his sinfulness has caused part of what's going on in his life. Now, I don't know what the situation was that was going on in David's life. There may be a couple of things. Uh, We can just guess. I don't know. We have no way of knowing. A couple of things that may help us to understand something that David possibly was going through. Uh, Perhaps this was written at the time that he committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba. Now, obviously, that was a great sin. And as we will see in the verses to come, all the people around were, uh, were not wanting anything to do with him. They were looking down on him because of what had gone on, whatever was going on, perhaps that was the sin that he was talking about, that he was grieving over, that he was angry at himself about. After all, he, uh, he had a man killed. He had Uriah the Hittite killed. That was uh, Bathsheba's husband. Not only that, but they had lost a son that they had conceived together in the midst of their adultery. And so it's natural to think that this could be the situation that David was referring to. A situation where sinfulness had really got him in a bad spot. Perhaps it was the time that his son Absalom tried to revolt against him and rebel and take over the kingship. And he ended up running David out of town. He ended up winning winning most of the people of Israel to follow him, his son Absalom did. He even uh, slept with David's wives on the roof of the palace for everyone to see. Now these were things that, that God told David was going to happen through the prophet Nathan. After David had committed the sin of adultery, Nathan told David, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be one that's going to come after you, and these things will occur. And they did occur, but David's very own son, Absalom. Now that would have been an embarrassing time for David. That would have been a difficult time for David. If most of Israel had been following Absalom, David would have been treated like an outcast. He would have been treated like a nobody. Perhaps that's the situation that was going on when David wrote these words. 
We have no way of knowing exactly what David was going through. But the question that we should ask here may not be, what was the sin in David's life? But the better question to ask may be, what is the sin in my life? Because we may not know what David was going through, but you know what you're going through. You know what situations you're in. You know the people who may be against you. You know the sins that you may have committed that may have led to this situation. And whether we understand what David was going through or not, we can understand what David was doing and understand that we need to do the same thing. Because there may be something in your life right now or there may be something in the future and God will recall these words to you when there's some sin in your life, there's some situations in your life, and we need to do what David did. There may be a time in your life in a few days, in a few weeks, in a few months, in a few years where you are angry at yourself for what you've done, where you're grieving over something that's happening to you, where you are worn out from crying all day and all night and your body is just broken down, your spirit is broken down, you don't feel like moving, you feel it in your bones as David says. Some of you have had those days. Some of you may be having them right now and no doubt we will probably all have those days at some point in time in our future. But David knew where to go. He knew to go to the rock. Even though he was shaken in these verses, he was standing on the rock that he talked about in the verses we looked at two weeks ago, and the rock was not going to be shaken. What David was doing here is he was acknowledging his sin before the Lord, the same thing that you and I need to do, to go to the Lord and say, Look, here's where I am, God. I'm broken, and I'm ashamed, and I'm in a bad place. God, I need you to help me. And that's exactly what David did. Whatever his situation may have been, David did the right thing. Whatever your situation may be, we need to do the same thing that David did. In verse 11, I am ridiculed by my adversaries and even by my neighbors. So there are some who are against David, that is his adversaries, but even his neighbors, even those who may not be his enemies, uh, they, they are ridiculing him. So whatever is taking place in David's life, it doesn't appear as though many people are on his side. Now, we may can relate to that too. There may be times in our life where we feel like we're alone, where we don't feel like uh, that there is anybody on our side. And David can relate to that, but he didn't give up. He didn't give up on the Lord, and he continued to trust in the Lord through it all. He says, I am dreaded by my acquaintances. Those who see me in the streets run from me. Boy, can you imagine that feeling? Some of you can't imagine it. Some of you have experienced it. You don't have to imagine it that people dreaded to see him coming, that, that, that people didn't want anything to do with him. People would run from him. Well, we don't want to have anything to do. Here comes that David. We don't want to have anything to do with David. And there may be times in our life that people have avoided us because maybe we've done some stupid stuff. It may be because of something we've done. It may not be our fault. It may be because of something someone else has done. There are times in our life where both of those things occur. And David understood, boy, this is rough. David wasn't pretending like he wasn't any to blame. Yes, there were adversaries and enemies coming against David, but David also knew his sinfulness. He wasn't trying to throw all the blame on someone else. He was taking uh, full responsibility for what had gone on. But in the midst of all of it, whether it was him or those against him, he was bringing it all to the Lord. In verse 12, I am forgotten, gone from the memory, like a dead person, like broken pottery, I have heard the gossip of many. Terror is on every side. When they conspired against me, they plotted to take my life. 
Now David was like a dead person to them. He was like broken pottery. He was insignificant. He was the gossip. He was the talk of the town. And there was uh, no one there who really cared about David. There may have been a few, depending on the situation. But David felt alone and he felt broken. And he needed to be restored. And that's not so different from you and I. But when we come to Jesus Christ, if you've come to Jesus Christ, you've come to that realization that you are alone and that you are broken, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That it's because of your sinfulness that, boy, you, you have really messed up, that you that you've, don't have a relationship with God. And David was broken here. That's what people looked at him as. And that's what we are like. We are broken. We are people who are sinful and we are people who are in need of the same God to reach down and save us just as David was. Now in the first eight verses, David was, was praising the Lord for being his rock. Here in these last few verses, David is pouring his heart out to the Lord. But even in the midst of all of these things that David was going through, David says at the beginning of verse 14, But I trust in you, Lord. Now those may be good words for us to mark down. Those may be good words for us to remember. Because there are times in our lives that maybe you've gone through or maybe you will go through. And they don't make any sense to you. They are difficult. Nothing lines up. You can go through that list and you say, God, this is happening. God, I've sinned. God, I'm ashamed. God, these people are against me. God, these people are accusing me of something I didn't do. God, nobody will have nothing to do with me. God, this is what my life is and it's really bad. But I trust in you, Lord. And that's what David ended up this section. He ended it with the words, but I trust in you, Lord. Not everybody does that. Some people list off the things that are going on in their life. God, this is wrong. God, that's wrong. God, this is wrong. God, don't you do anything? Uh, don't you even care? Aren't you going to do anything? If you're not going to listen to me, God, if you don't want to have anything to do with me, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Some people end their prayer to the Lord with that statement. But not David. Because David knew who the Lord was. He knew who the rock was. David wanted to be restored. He wanted to be renewed. He wanted to be made new. He wanted to get out of the situation he was in. But no matter what went on in his life, he was going to trust in the Lord. Now that's something that as Christians we need to remember. We need to remember that truth. We need to remember that we are going to trust in the Lord on the good days and we are going to trust in the Lord on the bad days. You see, we all want to be we all want to be strong. We all want to trust in the Lord. We all want everything to be good. We all want to be faithful servants of the Lord. But sometimes we have to go through the bad things to be able to get to where God wants us to be. If you ever watch the movie The Karate Kid, which maybe you have, it's an old movie, it's a good movie. But in that movie, he went to Mr. Miyagi and he told Mr. Miyagi he wanted to learn karate. And so you know what he did to learn karate? He washed cars. He sanded the deck. He put paint on. Now you say, well, that's not how you learn karate. That's what he said. Why are you making me do all this stuff, Mr. Miyagi? I don't want to work on your house. I want to learn karate. And sometimes that's what we're like as Christians. We say, God, I want to be super Christian. I want to be faithful to you. I want to be on fire to you. I want to know everything. I want to know the Word. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to preach sermons. I want to be able to teach classes. And God says, okay, I want you to start by mopping the floor. And we say, no, God, I don't want to mop the floor. I want to do all these big things. 
And God says, all right, I want you to empty the trash. And all of these things that we go through, and God says, nope, I want you to go through this situation. Nope, you're going to suffer in this way. Nope, you're going to suffer in that way. And we say, how does that help? And then all of a sudden, one day, Mr. Miyagi says, do this, mop the floor, wax the car, paint the thing, do this. And next thing you know, he realizes, whoa, all these things that I've gone through in my whole life has gotten me exactly where I want to be. It's taught me exactly what I wanted to learn, and I didn't even realize it. He would have never got there if he would have just started learning karate. But by doing all these things that didn't make any sense, he learned to be and do exactly what he wanted to do. And I think God's a little like Mr. Miyagi in that way. Because God knows what we want to be and what he wants us to be. But he knows what we need to go through to be ready for that. It may be suffering. It may be a season of sin. It may be a time where we're down and out and we feel like everybody's against us like David did. But when we call out to the Lord, the Lord says, now you're ready. The Lord picks us up. The Lord gets us through it. The Lord gets us strength. And he says, I want you to rest on me. I don't want you to fear. I don't want you to doubt. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I want you to know that you're going to get through it. And I'm going to strengthen you. And after God does that, it makes us stronger. It makes us more prepared for whatever God is going to do for us in the future, whatever that may be, maybe helping someone else out, maybe being in the ministry, whatever it may be. God is preparing us in everything that we go through, and we need not forget that. I don't know what you may be going through tonight or what you may go through in six months, and it may be just as bad as what David's going through, or it may be worse. But I hope at the end of it all, when you pour your heart out to the Lord, you'll finish with this and say, but... I trust in you, Lord. With all that I have, with all that I am, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to trust in the Lord through it all. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that we uh, will get some strength from them, dear Lord, because we get it. We get what it means to be in distress. Distress over our own situations, distressed over somebody that we worry about, distressed over something that's going on at work, distressed over something that's going on at home, distressed over something that's going on at church, distressed over something that's going on with a family member. Dear Lord, the list is endless. God, we have plenty of distresses. We get it, dear Lord. We get what David's saying. We get the struggle. God, because we fail in our sins. We know we sin. We feel ashamed of them. We grieve over our sins, dear Lord. We grieve over our bad situations with our jobs and with church and with school and with friends and with family and all of these things. They, we grieve over them sometimes, dear Lord. We get it. We get what David says, dear Lord. And I pray that you help us tonight to get what David did. We get the situations, dear Lord, but let us get you. Let us trust you in the same way that David trusted you. God, knowing that whatever you're, you're, you got in our life, Whatever we're going through, it seems tough, dear Lord. It doesn't seem like it makes any sense. No more than sanding a deck does or painting a fence or washing a car to learn karate, dear Lord. That don't make any sense. But dear Lord, the Master has a plan for everything. And God, as cool as Mr. Miyagi is, you are so much better. God, you are the Master. You are the Lord. And everything that you put us through and bring us through, God, you are with us and it's for a purpose to strengthen us, to have us ready to serve you better in the future. So, dear Lord, I pray that you help us to learn that lesson and put it in our heart that we trust in you and everything. And the days that we want to doubt and question, dear Lord, uh, just help us to put those things aside and to trust you all the more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.